Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Studio is armed. And it's the afternoon. How you doing out there, ladies and gentlemen? You've tuned into the R's, but you know that. People are so good like that, aren't they? How you doing? <laughs> welcome to the afternoon. Uh, welcome, Matt Steadman. Welcome, Cameron Smith. You're looking fit and healthy today. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. You got new shoes. Oh, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, it's, it's like that Sharon <laughs> Jones tune. I got, I got my new shoes. I got new shoes. And I the world a, is good. I got a spring in my step because yeah. I've been walking around in blocky heels for the last couple of weeks. And yeah. Now I have spring. Oh, there you go. Have a look. There you go. There they are. <laughs> hold them up for the microphone. Um, how are you doing out there? You got new shoes? You got a brand new bag? Well, uh, we've got some good things for you today. The good news is... Um, actually, we've got some good news. Yes. Um, we we sometimes look askance mm. at the goings-on and the machinations of our government. The bureaucracy from Canberra. Yeah, but um, uh, we've got some good news uh, in the fact that uh, we are going to be speaking to someone, a representative from the Fisheries Research and Development Corporation. Mm. Uh, his name is Crispian Ashby, General Manager of Research and Investment. Yep. And if you want to play along yep. with us on this uh, segment that's going to be coming on pretty soon, go to the App Store if you yes. are a Apple inhabitor of and I'm that sure that space. There'd be a Google equivalent, I would think. And if you're not, go to the Android space of getting stuff. Yes. <laughs> it's as far as we know. <laughs> can see which side of the fence we fall on. Um, and uh, look up SAFS. What does that stand for? Would you, would you like me to say that again? Please. Uh, SAFS. It's a... Uh, uh, it's an FLA. A TLA? No, four-letter acronym. Oh, four-letter yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah, Someone can count? Yeah, I can. Uh, sustainable, sustainability of Australian fish stocks. It should be a five-letter acronym, but you didn't include the of. So I'll say that again, sustainability of Australian fish stocks. And um, the news seems to be kind of good. The bastard trumpet is in trouble. Oh, really, the fish? I know. <laughs> it's, it's good, what though. Is a, we're going to find out what a bastard trumpet is. Because we've talked a lot on the show about sustainable fishing and, and we've talked to fisher people, but it is difficult if you're just sitting there at the fish counter yeah. to go, I don't know, I don't know. What's sustainable and what's not. And this app will tell you. It's good. Well, this app has incredible uh, descriptions of all, pretty much all the seafood you can think of. Yep. Although you did try to look up Rockling and you said it wasn't there. Wasn't maybe there. maybe I'll try the wrong again. name. I don't know. Um, and, um, but most of the, of the fish that we're getting is fairly sustainable. There mm. are some, and we'll find out from Crispy and the ones that we should probably steer clear of. Mm-hmm. Flake is obviously one. Yes. Um, there's some problems with snapper in South Australia, apparently. I'm not quite sure why. Mm. The poor old bastard trumpeter. <laughs> the bastard trumpeter. Diminished. <laughs> it's just lying around muttering to itself. I remember the good old days. I used to have friends of yes. my own kind. Yes. I could hang out. And, okay, <laughs> I could breathe. I could breathe. 
Mm. Um, but anyway, this is uh, quite a good app to have because we were talking about the fact that uh, what was it? Greenpeace used to have one, and it used to be about a traffic light, if I remember rightly. Yeah, because I remember I've tried this five six years ago, and I was and you, there. You got so despondent <laughs> at the fish can because everything I could I ah! could look up at the fish can was all red light. I'd like to buy dolphins. So then I just bought some salmon and deleted the app. Swordfish, <laughs> marlin. No, you didn't. You were no. doing, you were doing things that you thought were to. And, pretty uh, good. But this app, I think, will um, it's an Australian specific app. We will see uh, if I have more success. So let's find out from Crispin, who's uh, there in the corridors of power. He's up in Canberra, isn't he? He's in Canberra. He's in yes. Yeah, not a lot of seafood around there. Not a lot. It's no. Kind of ironic, is there anything, isn't it? Anything in the lake? I yeah. don't know. Some carp. Poor old eel or something. Carp. <laughs> Barnaby Joyce has put in carp yes. into the sorry. 12.06 here on 3 FM as we bring back a mm. little modicum of decorum. We'll be going to market for a uh, truncated... It's snappy, isn't it? Snappy. Snappy market snappy report. Snappy market report with John. So yes. we'll be doing that. And then, can't wait. Yes. One of our favourites, actually. Rosalind Grundy. Yes. Who is um, the editor of the Good Food Guide. Yes. Which is Australia-wide. Is it, I think it's 40 this year, am I right? It is 40. So it's a big year for those guys. Yeah, so we'll be able to look back. Mm. Looking back. Yes. As to what's been happening in, in 40 years. Apparently in 1980 when it first came down. Mm-hmm. Came out. Come on, Cam. Uh, edited by Claude Farrell. Mm-hmm. Guess how much a dinner at Stephanie's cost? Oh, don't full deg, full deg. What full tasting menu? Yeah, go go nuts. Which nowadays would be what hundred hundred fifty dollars per head. Well, Stephanie's isn't open, so it's no. a bit of a door for but but yeah, what was it back then? One fifty without wine, you know. Yeah, yeah. You ready? Go. Twenty eight. <laughs> Twenty eight dollars bucks for a tasting menu. Yep. Uh, and uh, sushi, I think, was first uh, marketed as vinegared, uh, vinegared raw fish. <laughs> Sell that sizzle. Before we gave it to the marketing department. Yeah, and there was, I think there was even a, um, a section in the guide for theatre restaurants. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll look back. Yes. We will look back. And then we look forward. And, uh, and then I think Rosalind was saying yesterday to me, because I had a bit of a chat to her, she was um, off because her husband had a birthday. Don't know if you're mm-hmm. listening, Larry, but a happy birthday, mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Hurstbridge. So we'll find out what's hot in Hurstbridge. Okay, cool. What's a new? It's happening. Yes. Uh, which would be kind of good. Mm. Um, Sarah, um, I suppose one of the first things we need to do is... What's, what's that, that in, in your, your mouth? mouth? Oh, look at that beautiful God. I'm the one. Um, um, Matt, you've I, been cooking at home. I said to you today, I think I've solved risotto. You know how people struggle? <laughs> just a second. I've solved it. You need to just put that up a little let it hang. You have... Solved risotto. Well, it seems to be this is a conundrum and a problem. It seems to be a dish a lot of people struggle with. Um, hot, hot wet rice. Hot wet rice. Yes. Um, Thanks to the catering show. Thank you. And I, so I've taken so my risotto, uh, my journey through risotto. Journey. I, um, journey. I base all of my risotto recipes on a Giorgio Locatelli recipe, which is basically who's he? He's a uh, Italian guy living in London. Mm. Maybe a TV chef you'd call him. Yeah, he, he's he had a yeah. very. Look at that, Lily. Very good book out maybe a decade ago called Made in Italy, which is probably about, oh, as, that's a ripper, isn't it's it? about yeah, as thick yeah. as a phone book. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's really, really good. So I use his quantities and those sorts of things. But I think I discovered um, the secret. And you said- What's the secret? Is it a nice homemade stock? At which point <laughs> yeah. I just sort of deferred. That was fairly provocative. <laughs> yes, because it was. Matt has uh, said on many times, you know what, Cam? 
I have never made stock. No. And I said, you need to take stock of this. Yes. So, no, I, I, I used uh, packet stock. But the secret is, um, I discovered, um, it's just more butter and parmesan. It's just put more of that in. The so secret is whatever fat. Whatever you're normally used to putting into your risotto at the end. So, you know, you put the butter and the parmesan at the end and you, and you whoosh it around. You up against the pan. You mount it with butter. Yes. Mantecatura. Just use twice as much. Twice and as much. it's really yummy. What happens? It gets thicker and cheesier and, and butterier. And mm. gloss. Yeah, that's true. Because that's the, the whole thing. When you use hot, and, you, and it has to be whole butter that you whisk in. You can't. Um, no, so the tip that Locatelli has is so you put, because you finish with about sort of 50 or 60 grams of butter for a risotto for two, but you cut it into little cubes mm. and store it in the fridge right until it's needed. Yeah. So you don't want to whisk in a 50 gram hunk of butter. That'd be weird. So you want small little cubes. That'd be weird. That'd be weird. What music was playing when you did this? Which I don't think we had any music on. Really? No. Had the wine open though. Because we were talking about artichokes. Actually, that was one thing that I did. And yeah, you were saying, I, yes. Hey, yeah, for a skippy. I was commending you to have the effort to, to, to go through the preparation of a globe artichoke because it's quite a lot of work to get and to this little golf ball-sized heart. The heart of the matter, and <laughs> you've got a bucket of, bucket of waste. <laughs> yes. It's all about the music that's on. Yeah. You need chill. And you said, quite rightly, if, you, if you're preparing globe artichokes, you either need to have or know someone with a compost bin because it's just... Oh, yeah, compost. You don't want to put all that in the bin. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, yeah, so there it is. Oh, also, I think uh, one of the most important things of a successful risotto is its texture and it's sort of its, its weight, you know? Yes. So it should never be clumpy. No. Did you sort of... It just sort of, yes, it just sort of, I got the consistency right. It just sort of sat on the plate and mm. just sort of then just went rested a little bit. A bit, a bit, a bit. Yeah. The Italians have a word for that, but I, I know it not. And Italians will be shouting at the radio. Mm. So um, stop shouting. <laughs> have a listen to this. Yes. Uh, we might move on. We're delighted that you joined us here on this sort of meh. Oh, it's, me. yeah, it's pretty nondescript out there, me. isn't it? Meh, Sunday. It is. A bit gloomy. It's going to get hot on Thursday, though, mm. if you're going to take a sickie. <laughs> yes, Thursday's the day Thursday. to do it. Go to the beach. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Start to show if symptoms can, on the Wednesday. If I, if I can just help Australia's productivity, or Melbourne's anyway, beach day, <sighs> Thursday. Um, we should play some sponsorship announcements. Get some fish and chips. And we'll be back talking about sustainable fish. Oh, what a great idea. Yes. Thank you. Pour yourself a glass now. 12.14 here on 3 RFM. It's Sunday. It's the beginning of the afternoon sessions here on this fabulous station. And we go to Canberra around Lake Burley Griffin. We're talking to Crispin Ashby, the General Manager of Research and Development. Um, a very, very good afternoon to you and thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. How are you? You at home? I sure am. Good, good man. Didn't have to come into uh, into the office. And of course, we're talking about the Fisheries Research and Development Corporation. First of all, how long have you been with uh, with them? Oh, look, I have been with the FRDC for quite a long period of time. I think it's in the order of was in excess of fifteen years. Whoa! Um, well done. It is an amazing place to work because you just you basically. Um, provided with a vast array of information and knowledge working right across the full spectrum of, of um, fisheries and, and marine and aquatic sciences. Um, and if you like being a sponge, great place to work. You can absorb all the information. Yeah, right. 
and um, and I guess the the good news is I, I actually got to meet you. What was it, a couple of weeks ago? There was um, Sussman from Fishtails, John Sussman, one of the great. Um, how why don't we describe Sussman? Uh, stewards of the industry. Oh, the font of all knowledge and extremely passionate and knowledgeable about the seafood industry and the products it develops. Relentless promoter of um, Australian seafood, I think we could probably agree on. <laughs> anyway, he got all these people together, which was fantastic. It was these um, uh, the growers of seafood, um, the restaurateurs, some chefs, a couple shady media types like myself. Um, and also, which was pretty delightful, I think, was the fact that there was arms of government there too, and I got to say good day to you. And you have just, um, or you have, I'm not quite sure how long it's been going for, the Status of Australian Fish Stocks app. Yeah, that's right. We, the Status of Australian Fish Stocks is actually, it actually began in 2012 and was a collaboration across all the agencies, fisheries agencies that are responsible for the science and the management of, of the fish stocks around the country, yes. um, came together as a really critical and, and, and fantastic collaboration, bring together all the information on the status of the fish stocks into one resource. Now, that started in 2012. We're now in the fourth edition, which is the 2018 edition, and we're just rolling out the, the start of the 2020 edition. Um, as part of the 2018 edition, though, that fourth edition, we developed an app, both mm-hmm. for Android and for um, Apple. And the good news is completely free. You don't have to spend your money. Completely free, that's right. And there's no hidden things like some games can be that, you know, if you want to... No ads, no pop-ups, nothing like that. No, there's, there, there is nothing like that. And um, how would you describe using this app? I mean, tell us a little bit about it. So the app is... Um, a, it condenses the material that's actually from the, the Status of Australian Fish Stocks website, which yep. is www.fish gov.au now can you say that again just while we write that down sorry crispin can you say it again just in case someone's sure. interested in that yep it's www.fish yep .gov.gov.au gotcha yep and what we found is obviously there is a the website contains a vast amount of information with regard to each of the species, um, the catches in each of the jurisdiction, a description, catch graphs, etc. And what we found is, you know, we probably needed something that was a, a little bit lighter, something that was easier on the eye and something that could be looked at, you know, very quickly to, to assess the status of the stock. And so we developed the app both for yeah, Android and Apple, as I said. Mm. So it basically contains each of the 120 species that were assessed in the last report. 120, um, yep. Does that include, does that include you, I know it says fish and it's sort of in the title, but does that include crustaceans and mollusks? Yep, it contains uh, crustaceans such as your prawns and your lobsters, your mollusks um, such as your pippies, and, and also finfish, and we also have a shark report card associated with the website as well. But each of the major species, and it accounts for about 90% of the volume of fish that are commercially caught in Australian waters, yes. about 120 species, um, and each of those are basically outlined on the website in a pretty easy easy to, to view format. And the great news is that if you get um, uh, bogged down in, uh, in, in jargon or things that you might not understand, there is an incredibly extensive glossary here. Where there you can look up ex- what a what a buried female is, for instance. Absolutely. What, what so is a buried like to, female? Can you just tell us? 
So a berry female basically generally is a crustacean, a female crustacean, such as a lobster or a crab, Clutching. that actually has eggs. And those eggs are, are usually um, external to the, to the shell, so you can actually see them. So if there is a, a buried female, quite often the rules would suggest in, in, in jurisdictions, some jurisdictions, not all, mm. that those uh, females are returned to the water. Gotcha. And how th- this obviously begs the question, what are our stocks and how sustainable are our fish stocks and what is the, the general overview of um, the, the seas that surround this island continent? So the, the general consensus about the status of, of, of the stocks in Australian waters is actually pretty good. I mean, of um, the species that were assessed, there is a vast amount, quite a, um, a large number of those are considered as sustainable. Now we do, there of, of the 120 um, species that were assessed, it was broken down into a further 406 Stocks. So a stock of fish could be either at the management unit level, so basically where the fisheries managers manage within a certain area or jurisdiction, mm-hmm. or it could be a biological stock. And that's basically the, the range that that species would, would be contained in and is able to breed and, and obviously produce offspring. So that would be considered a stock. So of the 406 stocks that were assessed in the last report, 90% were accounted as being sustainable. That's pretty good, isn't it? Mm, not bad. You know, I mean, that, that gives us maybe a, a little bit of hope for the fact that um, the Australian fishing industry is looking after its resource responsibly. Uh, with, yes, but with help of government? Definitely, definitely. Um, we often find that the, um, the fishers in, in the commercial fisheries and also the recreational fishers do work very closely with the government agencies and the researchers Um, that are involved in the assessment and management of these stocks and to ensure that we do have best management practice and that we do ensure that stocks are are managed at those sustainable levels so we continue to um, catch them in the future for our hopefully eating enjoyment. Yeah, well, that's a a good thing. So, And you were saying that this is going to be updated yet again quite soon. Yeah. So every two years we we run an update of the reports um, and so we are... uh, just starting work at the moment on the 2020 edition. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also be developing a better user interface for our, um, our colleagues, the, the researchers um, that help us develop these assessment reports so that basically they can actually have a web-based portal that allows them to put the information in. So actually we're oh, okay. hoping eventually yeah. to have an updated rolling update basically of those species through time so we don't have to wait every two years. And what is kind of great is it's um, it's not sort of the shotgun effect. It, it actually gets quite specific because you can have some fish that um, are fine, say, along the east coast of Australia, but there might be a problem with them, say, in South Australia. Like, I think we were identifying a type of snapper that was um, having a little bit of problems there. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So at the moment we have um, the snapper resource. There are several stocks um, around Australia. Um, they occur pretty well in uh, Western Australia, South Australia, Victoria, and do occur occasionally in Tasmania, and uh, also New South Wales and Queensland. And so those species are, are multiple stocks around the jurisdictions. Um, and so what we've seen is we've seen that obviously there have been some um, good results in several jurisdictions, but 
in saying that, we also do have a few problems and we want to make sure that we don't sort of gloss over some of these issues yes. and that we do look at them. And, and what we've actually found is, um, as you mentioned, uh, one of the snapper stocks in South Australia is, isn't doing so well. Yep. Uh, that the Spence Gulf West Coast um, stock in South Australia. What actually has happened then is we've seen management has swung into action. Um, they've been making... Um, some recommendations with regards to future management of the species. Uh, we've also invested in some research and development to, to have a look at those stocks and, and basically see how we can reverse that decline. So what then happens? So then you, you think, okay, we need to assess bag limits of that. Um, does, does it become that? that, that uh, okay, bag limits for recreational fishers, uh, amount that a trawler or, or um, a fishing boat can pull in, is, is that sort of what happens? Yeah, so generally the, the, there are several ways to manage um, a fisheries resource. You can either manage it through what they call an input control or an output control. So things like bag limits, um, what they term catch quotas or... or catch quotas, um, there you go, that's it, yes. The amount, amount of species, or the amount of fish that are, uh, or by weight that a fisher can catch yes. um, is a quota, so they tend to be the output controls. Input controls could be things like um, uh, restricting the size of, of line that, um, or number of hooks that a fisher can use um, and also um, things like um, spatial closures. So basically suggesting, you know, here we have an area, we want to protect those oh, fish in that area, so we'll actually have a fisheries management closure in that area. Who enforces that? So basically each of the state departments enforce those. So they have compliance sections within each of the management agencies and those compliance officers basically enforce the rules and regulations for each of the species and the, and the management in general. Crispin, what's happened to the bastard trumpeter? And <laughs> yeah, why is it such a bastard? Why is it called the bastard trumpeter? It's an interesting name. It's a very interesting name. Yeah. I, I don't think it reflects the species itself. Okay. It is actually a, a, a very good species. Slings um, and arrows, I mean, really. Yes. No, Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, although there are some concerns, again. Yeah, with, the um, the bastard's in trouble. Stock. Yeah. This bastard's... So it's not doing... Sorry. Oh, that's okay. It's not, it's not doing too well. Um but I don't think it's got anything to do with its name. But again, there is management in, in place for that species. It, it is mainly um, uh, caught in, in uh, Tasmania. Yeah. And considered negligible elsewhere. So the, the primary catch is in, in Tasmania, and they've got management in place to have a look at that. Okay, it was just an obvious thing to go for, and Matt's looking at me going, oh, yeah. you're being so bloody obvious. All right, so, um, if, um, so who do you recommend uh, this app for? Oh, look, we'd recommend this app for anyone who's who's interested in in the status of, you know, the species of fish in, in Australian waters, and it, it does go into freshwater. The Murray Cod is in there as well. Um, so I, we'd recommend it to basically anyone in the community and also consumers that would like to have a look at, you know, potentially when they're out there picking seafood, mm. refer to this app and just have a look and see if, you know, what the status of the stock is. Well, I'd actually um, just... To simplify that to all Australians, to be honest with you. Congratulations on what you do. It was really, really great to meet you uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, keep on doing what you're doing, and uh, if we can help send out the message of what is happening to Australian fish stocks or things we need to think about, we'd be more than happy to have another chat. But well done. No, thank you. Thank you very much. And, yeah, look, for all your listeners... Don't forget to have a look for the SAFS, so S-A-F-S. If you search for that in your Android or your iTunes stores, app stores, um, you'll be able to find it and download it and have a look. 
won't cost you nothing. Absolutely nothing. Double negative. Sorry. Um, Crispin, <laughs> thanks again, buddy. Thank you. Okay, bye. He did what I was going to say. So SAFS, if you want to search for that status of Australian fish stocks, we might whack that on the Twitter feed too if you're looking it up. What a great idea. So mm. that was Krishman Ashby, the General Manager of Research and Investment. Good news mm. from government. News. Yes. Who would have thunk yeah. it? Here go smiling on a Sunday. <laughs> this will make you smile too. We'll be back with John from the market and Roz is standing by. I always wonder what the sound of those birds are. Are they sparrows? Yes, there's been an abundance of sparrows this year. Yeah. We live out in Moorabba Bayside, and my dad was lamenting that there's none around at all uh, mm-hmm. lately. But here in the city, they've come back again, and they're thriving. Yeah. They're building their nests, so that's why they're chirpy, chirpy. Oh, the chirpy, chirpy. Springtime. Definitely, yeah. mate, definitely. And, uh, and that's reflected around us with the produce that we can see. Uh, We're in a little bit of a hurry this week. It's going to be a bit of a curtailed market report because John just said, hey, we've got to keep moving. But you've brought me some asparagus. Yes, I brought you something that I couldn't not talk about. Yeah. Yeah, these exceptional asparagus from Kuirup. Um, There's very little white, if any at all. So I keep telling people, don't snap them, cut the bottom off. Mm. Very, very tight buds at the top. Now, that's the difference between paying... $10 $10 a kilo for my asparagus yep. and 5 or $6 for other asparagus that are uh, much chunkier, they're crooked, they've got a lot of white on the bottom. By the time you trim them back, it's a pain. There's one thing I can add to that uh, when you're looking at asparagus. They're really, really smooth because as they start to get older, they dehydrate and you get the ridges happening, don't That's you? That's true John? too. Yeah, but yeah. Tragically, they all got hit by hail. Um, two days ago, so we'll see what next week brings. It may be a shorter season this year, mm-hmm. we don't know. So Ooh. we'll keep praying. Oh, well, anyway, they, <coughs> I guess one good thing is they keep sprouting up yes, out of the yes, ground really, yes, really quickly. Yes. Big mushroom you've got here for me? This is a very big portobello. It's about nearly 10 centimetres, Cameron's big palm. Yeah, length of my fingers to the, uh, to the knuckle. These have got beautiful dark brown gills. Um, I thought they might be too big to stuff, so I said to Franca, Slice them thinly and fry them very quickly, but she pulled all the Did gills out. Did she listen out. to you? No, no. <laughs> I was going to say. No, go, but, but, but I've got to give it 11 out of 10. What'd she do? She pulled the gills out, mushed it all up with breadcrumbs, parsley, garlic, she, a little bit of tomato. She, she mushed up the gills with yeah, the breadcrumbs? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you wouldn't yeah. want to waste them. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. Put them back into the mushroom and put them in the oven, drizzle of olive oil on the top. Yeah. Normally, uh, I think they're a little bit too strong like that, but this mushroom was so sweet and smooth Mm. that it was better than eating a piece of steak. And for vegetarians, that is their steak. Bang! I can't argue with you at all. I always want to, but I can't. Oh, okay, I will. I can add in the fact that I had one of these, uh, not quite that big the other week, um, pulled out the the core, uh, didn't mush up the gills, which I think is a very, very good idea, but I just added some garlic butter and tarragon, garlic butter, tarragon, pepper and salt and put that in the oven and the tarragon and the garlic and the mushroom together was... Heaven, heaven, heaven. Now we've got smaller Swiss browns, um, uh, the size of a 10 cent piece as well, which are beautiful to saute very quickly. Mm. And we've got uh, king oyster mushrooms as well. Slice them in three and fry them very quickly. Remember when we just have to have two? 
even oh, yeah. even capsule flats. Well, yeah, even if you're lucky to have yeah. mushrooms sometimes, yeah. you know, because they were very seasonal. Yep. Now these are grown indoors. They've got it right. They are pure. Mm. Uh, they are tasty. They are pretty. What else can you ask for? Broad beans next to them. I oh, definitely. Now, broad beans, they've been a little bit bigger this year. They have, um, haven't they? I think what they've done is they've been growing them in the plastic igloos um, because, you know, the broad beans are a very delicate uh, plant. A little bit of sun, it burns. A little bit of wind, the flowers so, don't stick. Are they getting ready for the Mars mission? Maybe. Maybe grow broad beans on Maybe. Mars. Maybe. I've Maybe heard pasta fajoli. But they're grown indoors, so therefore they've, they've been able to bolt and go and, big. And even the ones that have grown outside, uh, they've had a lot of good weather up there. We've had, you know, lower, mm. up to 20 degrees, and they've had 30 up the border, so... That's what's happening when something likes where it is, it grows in abundance. So there you go. What I did get off you last week, which was awesome, and it's lovely to talk you two, two weeks in a row, but I'm going to do this a little bit shorter, was beautiful small zucchinis. Yes, they were beautiful, but again, the weather was good and they jumped and they're a little bit bigger and fatter, but still very, very tender. And I got some big, fat white ones, which have been beautiful. Um, Frank uh, shaved them up and made a uh, pancake with them. But I like to cut them in big rings and fry them in a batter, uh, with, you know, batter them and then fry them, or even crumbed and fried. Uh, my grandfather used to dig the middle out, fill them with butter, put them in the oven to my mother's... Uh, Chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Didn't like the smell, didn't like the texture, but he used to love it. And sometimes even fill them with mincemeat, shove them in the oven. That's sort of more towards the, the end. You talk about the slippers, don't you? The, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Anyway, we'll talk about that later on. No doubt, maybe in February, I guess, when they turn into bloody big marrows. Oh, overnight they do. Uh, mangoes, yes. Mangoes, the, the, these are the last of, um, I think, far north. They're Gee, they look good. Running about 250 kilo. The new ones from Queensland are running at about four to 450 each. Yeah. So you can still get in there and have a good feed at the right price. That looks kind of um, good. Uh, capsicum, capsicums, four, four to five dollars a kilo. Wow. Um, we've got big ones, small ones. We've got the bullhorn red and green for 10 and 12 dollars. Mm. They're very, very sweet again. If you um, want to try something new, maybe you haven't had it for a while, stew down some red capsicums, puree them and make a sauce out of that and put it underneath a piece of fish, like a piece of dory or something like that. Definitely, mate. Oh. We're going back to the 80s and 90s. Why mate. not? Why not? It works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, and we've got some huge parsnips, which we haven't talked about for a while. Even though they're extra, extra large, they're beautiful to slice and fry like a potato chip. Slice them up and bake them with your potatoes, mm. or they really make a soup because they add that sweetness so a lot of people have got to be careful how much parsnip they eat as well. Also make a good fritter too. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Do. Pick of the market. Pick of the market. Uh, broad beans. Have to. Beautiful carrots. We've got beautiful salad mixes and um, fresh rocket or arugula for some people. Um, yeah, you name it. Again, as we always say, it's all at its peak and we're so blessed. I think the only thing that's a bit short of spring onions and parsley. Yeah, okay. Um, I was going to say one thing, pick of the market, maybe just to get before it all disappears, is um, the mandarines will be <coughs> on their way out. Might be good to pick yes, those up. Yes, yes. Um, I've been eating the A4 or... Um, uh, there's another A4. one, yeah, and another one similar. It looks like an orange when you break it open. It's full of juice. Yeah, and so thing. sweet. That, that one across there with yeah. the tangelo type thing. Oh, that's a different one again. That's like the sumo. 
they're lovely as well. Got a little bit more seed in them, but they're lovely. Mm. And also our tomatoes, we've got 10 varieties of tomatoes this week. Next week we should have about 15 because the new ones are coming out of South Australia, you know, the black ones and the yellow ones and pink ones. And What's the name of your place? Tomato City. Hey, that works out well. Yeah. If you look on our Instagram, you'll see the beautiful videos of this week's tomato. So it's videos? Tomato. Yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. You've got um, Tomato City... It's Tomato City. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you you just put in you'll get it, mate. It's Sunday. I can't <coughs> think, mate. Yeah, no, come on. It's all right. All right. Um, so um, I think we're about there. I think we are. John, thank you for your time. Have a lovely we'll day. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Hopefully we'll get some sunshine. When they reckon 30 by Thursday. Yeah, maybe these birds will get their nest built. Yeah. They make a bit of noise. All <laughs> right. Have see fun. Ya. Surrealist mountain goats. Yes. Kim Salmon, wow. Yeah. Ross Grundy. G'day. What a delight to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Must be that time of year. (laughs) (laughs) But we have you for other reasons than the release of uh, your child into the world, or the Australian world anyway. The Good Food Guide, are you talking? We are speaking of Guide 2020. Lordy, 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 this is a special one, isn't it? Well, it is. 40 years, um, certainly in Victoria, of doing the Good Food Guide. Mm. Um, we were five years ahead of um, Sydney. Of course, oh, of course we were. Not that I'm stoking that uh, rivalry. Oh, let's do it. <laughs> let's go there. <laughs> um, yeah, so 40 years ago, um, Anne O'Donovan had the great foresight mm. to um, kind of tap into that interest in food that was developing in Victoria at that stage and put it all in a book, and it's been going ever since. Drag Claude Farrell. Said, yes. Do you want to edit? And That's right. Rita. Joined by Rita Ehrlich. So, yep. yeah, some great pioneers of um, food writing there. And Claude only um, hung up his uh, pencil two or three years ago. Isn't that amazing? I'm just imagining the special rack that he's put <laughs> on. Right. All right, that's it. Yeah. yeah. He's been growing, growing blueberries, hasn't he? Exactly that, in yeah. central Victoria. What a fantastic end for a food writer to um, to wind up um, actually out there putting plants into the soil the blueberries, to feed people. They've got spines, haven't they? Have they got um, spiny sort of thing? Mm, anyway, I he don't does think so. beautiful anyway. blueberries, and it's, let's not get hung up on that. 40 years ago at dinner at Stephanie's used to cost 28 bucks. I know. Isn't that an amazing thought? But making 28 bucks was kind of hard. Yes. Well, not so many uh, restaurants were able to serve wine in those days, and that's where a lot of the profits are in restaurants these days. Yeah. There was uh, was just a few. It was quite the the cartel. And if you uh, wanted to be a licensee, you used to have to be interviewed by a judge. Is that right? Yeah. I was a a licensee a long time ago, and I had to have the fireside chat with Judge Camden, I think his name was. Oh, wow. Long, long time ago. Isn't that amazing? And haven't we come a long way since then? Uh, it used to be all BYO restaurants, and now there's really only a handful of places that, that you bring your own. Yeah, because you're foregoing the great profit of the of the licence, which is a lot easier to get a general licence, isn't it? That's right. And uh, what are the other great changes? Well, for one thing... The guide wasn't on such beautiful stock with such beautiful images everywhere. No, and it wasn't a national guide um, in those days. So, so we mm. originally had this um, Victorian guide as, it was as, as we have established and then the Sydney guide, then um, a Brisbane edition and then it just seemed... Got folded in. Yes. Let's go so all around. three years ago, yeah. Do you get to go all around? Do you like, look at restaurants in Perth and restaurants in... 
Northern Territory or? Well, we carve it up. So we have um, a senior panel of reviewers. So they're our most experienced reviewers. Who are they? Miffy um, Rigby, yes. uh, Jemima Cody, the senior reviewer for The Age, uh, Jill Duplay and Terry Durack in Sydney. Dynamic duo. They, they, are. Are. they get rolled into I one. Know. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, Callum Boys. Uh, who else? I'm probably missing one or two others. Oh, but they're, they're, they're sort of the, the, the main Those crew the, and then the there's a whole reviews. bunch of people underneath that get uh, sent, sent out. That's right. So, so the senior panel kind of divvy up some of the restaurants around the country. It's kind of to benchmark against uh, restaurants. So that, say, for example, Miffy Rigby, who's the editor, I'm, mm. I'm kind of – I help with the Victorian side of things, but I'm not the editor these days. But Miffy um, might – Step back up. Huh? I have stepped back a bit, mm. which is, yeah, it's good. I've got a few other different projects. I can maybe makes, come back to that later. It probably makes that time of year a little bit easier for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Miffy, for example, she's Sydney-based. She might come down to Melbourne and do some some of the key restaurants in Melbourne or she might go to Adelaide or Hobart and the rest of us do the same. So we kind of di- divide it up <coughs> amongst um, each other and then uh, get some very capable help from other reviewers to do more than 500 reviews around the country. It's quite a big deal. How many do you reckon you've done this year? Uh, I didn't do so many this year. I've, I really have peeled it back What's a, a light year for you? Uh, Still mm. going to be a significant number, isn't it? No, no. I, I think I've only done 15 or so. Whoa, yeah. easy. Yeah. You must have been I an know, awesome. I know. Um, because it is a very, very tough gig because not only do you have to have all your wits about you to observe... You've got to, it. It cease, It becomes a job rather than just this thing that you're allowed. To, you allow to wash over you in a way because you have to be on everything. I can hear little violins <laughs> playing all over the suburbs for me, can't yeah, you? Can yeah, you hear yeah, that? yeah. But no, but yeah, maybe maybe an understanding <laughs> of something that you think is such an easy and pleasurable thing, when it becomes work, is work. Look, yeah. In in fairness, it is. And, okay, I'll play that small work. violin. <laughs> As uh, jobs go, it's not so bad, but honestly, it is. We take it extremely seriously. We um, really are cognizant of the fact that we are there as the reader's representative and we are Mm. trying to see it through the reader's eyes how will a reader uh, perceive this and try always to keep that top of mind and, and convey kind of a picture of the restaurant so that if you're reading a review, you're able to say, hmm, hmm. I can imagine myself in that place. Oh, no, that's not going to suit me. Can't see myself yeah, yeah. there. That's, or I oh, see myself that sounds, there. that sounds really noisy or that sounds this or that. Yes. Um, so that's kind of top of mind. But also underlying that, um, you know, being... Uh, obviously being truthful and so forth, but um, being mindful that these are people's livings always. Yes. Um, with and it's a, it's a huge responsibility that you oh, come yeah. into the into these premises. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I have been doing this a, a, a long time, but I still go into every review excited and optimistic and really hoping that it's going to be a fantastic experience and not... Oh God! Here we go again. Another review. Mm. I I'm still not jaded by it. I still love it. Actually, it's good to hear. Yeah. Good t- to hear. Can I tell you about a little place that I went to yesterday that just restored 
and renewed my faith in, in how, restaurants. How would I possibly be able to stop you? <laughs> this was uh, the birthday lunch? This was the birthday lunch for my husband and we went to a place with the kind of surprising name of Greasy Zoe's, um, which sounds sounds like it's going to be a sort of a burger joint or something yeah, yeah, like that. because you were on the phone to me yesterday and you go, have you been to Greasy Zoe's? And I went, nope. Yeah, and so not to be confused with Greasy Joe's or um, anyway, it's at the uh, end of the Hurstbridge railway line. So it's in Hurstbridge, mm-hmm. and it's a tiny, tiny little place. It only seats fifteen people. It's run by a couple, just a couple. He's on the floor, she's in the kitchen. And he's doing, bringing out all the dishes and explaining the dishes, pouring the wine. He serves as the sommelier and the waiter, mm. and spinning vinyl. He, he oh, fantastic, dude. really great collection of, of vinyl. Yeah, and he says that he kind of sets the rhythm of the dining room based on what he's spinning and he always knows when the when the one side is about finished and he has to be able to finish dealing with the customer so that he can flip over the vinyl. He's got mad skills. Yeah, yeah mad yeah. skills. Yeah. And Zoe Birch in the kitchen is Zoe just Birch. an amazing, amazing chef. So aside from the fact that it's this tiny little place, they have this very... Um, sustainable ethos where they're really genuinely using supplies from immediately around them so they're sourcing them from tiny tiny farmers or just people who grow things very near their place and they kind of know the provenance of everything they serve it's just a beautiful story and the food is just so incredible what'd you have well it's a set menu and it's how uh, much it's $105 per person. With booze? No. Add so booze. it's it's a special occasion. It's a birthday. It is a birthday. Larry's birthday, come um, on. It's not the sort of thing that you'd rock up to, you know, three times a week. No. But um, it is for a special occasion. It's actually such a treat to go out on the train. You can have beautiful booze and not have to worry about driving home from Hurstbridge. What'd you have? Sorry, I cut you off before. My um, apologies. Well, she starts with a flurry of snacks, a whole lot of beautiful, incredible snacks, each one a little gem in its own right. Um, things like um, a little uh, shoe pastry thing filled with pumpkin puree and. She makes her own cheese and then she pickles her own vegetables. Wow. Just so a bunch of very interesting different snacks, like the first of the broad beans, just cooked over a um, wood grill and just drizzled with a little bit of oil. That was one of the snacks. Just anyway, a beautiful. Then little pieces. There was a little bit of uh, brined pork. Oh, I don't know. It's just, just so so much. It was, it was just great. a blur, but everything beautiful and really considered. Yeah, really gorgeous. Has it been reviewed yet by the uh, in the? Yeah, it's, in it got a hat for the first time last year and really? a hat again this year. Yeah, so great stuff. And we should probably, while we're here, we should say congratulations to the mighty Dan Hunter up at Bray. Yeah, yeah, restaurant of the year. Did you get to review that one? Not this year. You didn't get to go. <laughs> no, maybe next year. Yeah, yeah we we do. Um, we get a different person to do it uh, every year. How many times was it reviewed this year? I think more than once. Two or three. Yeah, because yeah. it yeah. needs to be confirmed. Um, and and that's the thing about the the guide is that it's not usually just one thing. It will be 
confirmed by a couple of visits. And if there are anything <laughs> that um, gets brought up or might be a problem, uh, like some a place that we had a bit of a chat about, mm-hmm. you go back again to have yeah, a look at it. Yeah, um, we have a th- that senior panel meets maybe three times, and we go through one by one each restaurant. We've given God, 15. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that one. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some, not ding-dong battles, but some interesting discussions sometimes. Forceful descriptions yeah, and, yeah. and views would be, would be yeah. shown. Um, Ross, one of the things that because you're able to sit up and look out on this industry of ours, both around the state and concentrated within the city, you're able to distinguish or see trends as they emerge. Mm. And I remember a couple of years ago, everything was on fire, it was all smoke and, and stuff like that. Have you seen any trends that are happening mm. in and around? Because I, I can't – is there anything sort of new? Not not really. Not new as such. That fire yeah. trend is continuing. Which I isn't think. a bad thing. No, I just no. want to say. I like it. Just, I mean, it's, that it's, kind it's, of primal element, I really still like it. I, th- I feel as if we're still in that phase of peeling back, paring back, not... I think it's that swing. If we look at the pendulum, yes. molecu- peak molecular sous vide foam stuff... We're it's not seeing as much sous vide, are we, anymore? No. Which, and we're, we're certainly not seeing foam. We haven't for a few years. Yeah, but, um, but that, was a, that was a reaction against yes. that, that whole thing, I think. It's like, no, nah, bugger that. I'm just putting a fire pit in my kitchen and I'm yeah. just going to cook around that. Yeah, that's right. And I think people are starting to actually develop a bit more nuance with the fire thing as well. It's mm. not just char the crap out of something. It's yeah. now... Smoke. Um, more smoke. Using it in different and more subtle ways. Yes. Um, we're seeing things like um, Fire Door in Sydney with Lennox Hasty using only fire. There's um, an amazing photo of him just yeah. covered in grease and ash. It reminds me of... I've seen that with, you know, the pit, pit crews that... That mm. are doing that all day. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that's so and certainly more, um, more vegetarian, I think, and people using vegetables a lot more thoughtfully. It's not just, oh god, the vegetarians are here. I guess we better fling a mushroom risotto at them. It's um, pretty much m- just about all menus now have lots of vegetarian options, and it's, it's not, not just for vegetarians. And it ain't such a big deal anymore, no, is it? No, no. Most. For example, at um, Greasy Zoe's, most of the food was vegetable, but um, you didn't sense in any way that you're missing out. Smith and Daughters, did they get 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 in here? They did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're in there. Yeah, because I had a dinner there and it was just extraordinary. She's doing amazing things. She's a very, very clever woman. (laughs) She's very clever. And just there's going to be a book coming out. Yes, another book. She's so clever. Uh, You'll you'll have to get her in. Oh, we always do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shannon Martinez Martinez, uh, from Smith & Daughters is the the person that we're speaking about. Um, Lots to do with uh, regional cuisine. And um, we were saying, isn't it great? Gippy gets a Guernsey, a yeah, couple. Yeah, yeah. So sardine um, down in where's that? Oh, um, uh, that's in Painesville. Thank you. In Northern Ground. Yes, and in Bansdale and um, Hoggett Kitchen. Yeah, so in Warrigal. Yeah, so which is closer. Yeah, Gippsland's um, kind of lagged behind a few of the other regions. I don't know what the reason for that would be, but distance. It's, it's distance probably is a big, uh, big factor, and it's it's. Uh, 
I've been going up to Gippsland for about five years now, yeah, yeah. five or six years, and I've seen it. It's just started developing and developing, and it's getting well. It's doing really, really good things. That's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think regional um, cuisine generally has been one of the big trends of this year and the and well the last few years but just the regional restaurants are just getting better and better particularly in victoria and we were saying that we can probably one of the things that is the ground zero of that for this thing who would you say that is oh i would say ala wolf tasker she's an amazing powerhouse and she has had it just an influence that has spread its tentacles right through force the country, I would say. Oh, absolutely a force of nature. And she's she's just got more and more on the go. She's starting a, a farm and a guest house, a, a separate guest house from the lake house. Um, really? We in, in nearby Gippsland. So, yeah. You, Get her on. She's really – she's got some interesting <laughs> new stuff. She's always great. She's always got more it's stuff. Dragging her away from why would you want to leave? That's right. Why would you want to leave from that? One of the greatest places for breakfast in the world. Oh, it's that sound, oh, isn't it? Oh, I can it? hear a sound of being wound up. Oh, yeah. Gee, and it comes to the end. Um, have you got any favourite children around at the moment other than – what was the name of this place in Hurstbridge again? Greasy Zoe's. Thank you. Okay, yeah. there's homework for us. Uh, uh, Igni in um, Geelong. Geelong. Similar type of food, really fantastic. Navi over in the west. Um it just it's people doing very clever things uh, on a small scale. I'm really loving that. We've got about a minute left. What are you cooking at home at the moment? Um, what am I cooking? Well, we've got a lot of kale in the garden, so I'm looking for different ways to use kale and silver beet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought some beautiful, uh, what do you call it? God, I can't even think of the word. Uh, Polish sausage. So we're doing something with Polish sausage tonight, I would say. Smoked Polish sausage. Maybe you could do kale. Mash with kale in it. What would be a spanakopita if you stuck kale in it? Oh, I'd love that, actually. We did that during the week. And lots of dill. Beautiful. And dill. Lots of dill. How much is this thing? Where can you get it? Uh, All good bookstores and... I think it's twenty nine ninety five. It is. You get change from a $30 bill. <laughs> if such a thing existed. Um, Ros Grundy, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Congratulations Cam. on good food. 40 years. My God, that's just incredible. We're going to be speaking with Dan Hunter next week. He's going to be on the phone, which yeah, will be great. He's always entertaining. It's 1 o'clock. It's Neil time. I see you. There you go. Uh, Still here. And he's back. And we're looking forward to it. Thank you, Roz. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Cam. We'll see you next week. Looking forward to it. Bye. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.